May the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, the one who opens the eyes of our hearts, the ones who covers our eyes in the world. Amen. So, in this passage, we experience a story that is as old as time, right? There are people who want to understand what is going on in the world. There is a person suffering, and the community is working on trying to figure out why. The man had been born blind. The disciples want to know, whose fault is it? Is it his fault? Is it his parents' fault? Why? Why would God let a child come into this world blind? Why? Why would God allow people to suffer? Why would God allow death? Why would God allow destruction? Why would God allow evil people to come into power? Why? Why do bad things happen in our world when we have an omnipotent, omnipresent, loving God? We all struggle with this issue. We all are pulled apart, trying to figure it out. We know that story of someone who um, develops lung cancer, and the first thing people ask, well, were they a smoker? Right? Does it matter? Well, we're trying to figure out if the sin was theirs, smoking, or if the sin comes from somewhere else in the world corporate greed or pollution or whatever. One person told me that when he was a teenager, he developed cancer, and one of the members of his congregation told his mother that was because she didn't feed him the right antioxidant-filled foods. And he developed this cancer because of his diet and what they ate. There's this feeling that somehow we must have done something wrong in the whole system when kids are sick or suffering. We think it's true of adults too, right? Wonder what they did. If I'd have taken better care of myself or exercised more. And the truth is, sometimes bad things happen because bad things happen. And that's what Jesus says. Now, In the passage, as it's translated in the NRSV, I skipped the line. And you may have noticed it when I was reading, right? Jesus' response, as it's printed, says that he was born blind so that the glory of God be shown forth. But that's not what's actually there in the Greek. The, The NRSV adds that line of description. It just says that he was born blind and the glory of God would be shown. That's a very different issue. Because the next problem with this text, outside of the suffering and the way that the Pharisees try and fight with that, is this piece that God allowed him to be born blind so that God could show holy justice. So that God's righteousness could shine forth. So that Jesus would have somebody to fix. I don't know about you, but that's not the kind of puppeteer God that I really want in my life. I don't want to sit back and have to think that, like, 
when there is suffering in the world, when, when depression is louder than joy, when anxiety speaks louder than hope, that God has inflicted that so that God's glory can shine forth. Because that's not a kind God. That is a judgmental, wrathful, manipulative, trickster of a God. I don't know about you, but when I think of judgment, judgmental and wrathful and trickster, God is not the holy character that comes to mind. The devil, the force of evil, those things which we pronounce to be false in the waters of baptism are those things. So that can't be God. But if we take what's written there in the Greek, then we can look at it differently. There's no allowing. There's no force. There's no God who knit us together in the mother's womb, changed the way it would be so that glory would show better. No. The bad happened. It is. Suffering exists. It has since the fall, right? Since the creation story, we have had to suffer. God says, once I cast you out of this garden, there will be suffering. You will have to toil the land. There will be pain in childbirth. There will be all of these things. Suffering exists. It just does. It is the nature of being. Bad things just happen. And the more trite and the more we try and explain them away, the less we really depend on what's happening in God's world, which means the less transfiguration there happens to be going about in this story. Right? The less transformation that's really taking place. Truth be told, we don't know why the guy was born blind. There's all kinds of hypotheses. You can read on the internet six or seven different reasons Generally, syphilis ends up being the chief culprit on why the kid was born blind, but we don't know. The kid's born blind, and it doesn't matter. Jesus doesn't even pay attention to it. What does Jesus pay attention to? Jesus sees the man suffering and heals him. Doesn't matter what the laws are, what day of the week it is. Doesn't matter what he's done or hasn't done. Doesn't matter why he's that way or not. Jesus sees suffering and heals it. Jesus sees suffering, offers a solution, and gives grace. Now, a graceful, abundant, seeing God, a God that truly sees me and you, and the suffering that exists in our world, now that is the words I use to describe my God. A God who loves us enough to break the rules. A God who cares about us enough to shape us into who we are and who we are becoming. A God who cares enough to shine light into our darkest places. In the story, it's the blind man's eyes. In our life, it's our hearts. It's our souls. It's those places where we are broken and hopeless. It's hospital rooms and, and funeral homes. It's widows' houses and everywhere in between. 
God transfigures this man's life. I'll get to you, buddy. Hold on. He transfigures this man's life with grace. And you know what the response of the people is? Let's go get some of that. No. You can't do that. That's, it's the, well, first off, it's the Sabbath. Second off, this guy's disabled, and so therefore less than human. Let's ask his parents, despite the fact that he's an adult, right? Let's go get his parents, because how often, and I'm guilty of this too, I have a uncle with special needs, and I will say, Billy and his friends like their kids, right? Or I'll say, the kids down at Watch, which is the area workshop that he goes to, they're adults. They're older than I am. They're in their 50s and 60s, most of them, right? But we have this way of emphasizing people who we deem as less. And so they go get his parents, and they have his parents answer for him. And bless his, bless his parents' heart. They say, well, he's a grown man. Ask him. I don't know. We weren't here. Yeah, he's our son, but he's a whole person. They see, they see him as whole. They see him as Christ saw him. The Pharisees can't. They still can't. Even at the end of the story when they're questioning Jesus, they can't see Jesus in the light that Jesus sees them. They can't see love and hope and joy in that place. Their eyes are closed. I wish I could say this story is over and we don't do this in our world anymore. We don't, other people like the Pharisees did and that we can't bring ourselves into that spot in the story, but that's not true. We often do this, right? Well, I don't like to give money to beggars on street corners because they might use it to buy drugs or alcohol, right? I don't like to, to help people um, because really they just shouldn't make those kinds of choices. I had one member in a congregation I served, we were making kits up for returning citizens. Uh, in Illinois, our Lutheran Social Services, Samaritas, had a really great um, program that took people who got out of prison, made sure they had homes, got them jobs, and one of the things they did was they gave them a health kit with shampoo and soap and the women's had pads and the men's had razors. I think the women's had razors too. But, you know, those kinds of like basic things because I don't know if you know this or not, but when you get out of prison, you get the clothes you came in with and nothing else. And then you're sent out into the world in hopes that you can get a job as you generally have to check that box that says you're a criminal and your paper is thrown up and thrown away. But then, to make it worse, you have to come into the interview with the clothes that you've got or maybe something that someone has lent you, but probably not a nice warm shower. And so now you're the stinky person in the wrong clothes applying for the job that they don't really want to give you because they probably have a candidate that isn't a convicted felon, right? And then we wonder why recidivism is so high. We wonder why people just go back to the system where they have all the shampoo and pads and soap they want. No, it's miserable in there and there's no life, but at least I don't have to be othered. At least I get seen for what I am in that place. Because out here I'm trying to do more. 
And I had one member come to me and tell me that we shouldn't be making these kits because it was their own fault they had ended up in prison. And then they should just pull themselves up by their bootstraps. No. That's not grace. That's not love. That's not new life. That's not transfiguration. Our world is full of places where this kind of sight is needed. Where people are seen as people. Where we look into the eyes of others and don't just see their brokenness, their sinfulness, the parts of the world that hurts them, but rather we see Christ in them. That when we look into people's eyes, we see someone who God loves deeply. And they feel seen. Not for their past, not for their sins, not for their brokenness, but for the person God is calling them to be, for their best version of themselves. I will be the first to tell you that this is extremely hard. It is a struggle that I have day in and day out. But I also know that through grace, we can do it. It can be done. And that when we find those places in our community where we look at people and see hope and grace and love, in those places, we see Christ. In those places, our eyes are opened. The mud that has been put on our heart is washed away and we become like that blind man. Living testimonies and able to wash the hearts of others so that grace may abound. And then, eventually, when the kingdom comes, suffering won't matter. Where it came from won't matter. Why it exists won't matter because we will all live in the glory of God. And that's good news. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, I gave you a little extra time. You want to come up here for a minute? Can you bring your special project? So today's Transfiguration Sunday. Are you guys coming? And I've got the girls, and I would have had anyone else that was small work on it with me. Can you show everybody what you're working on? Awesome. And what do they, what's that word on top? Hallelujah. And we colored these. And do we ever have decorations that we, hey guys, pay attention. I need you to help me. Isabella, you can finish it. I promise I won't take it right now. We'll finish the rest of the project later. Do we have decorations at our house that we only put up for one season? Can you name one? What's one of your favorites, Isabella? You made me leave it up till February. The Christmas decorations, yeah. Do you think that if we left the Christmas decorations up all the time, they would be as special as they are, but just putting them up for Christmas? No. They wouldn't be as special. I have another question. Have you ever buried anything? No? You've never buried anything? What did you bury? Half of the pepper. And what happens when you bury something? 
it grows unless it turns into soil and helps other things grow. Yep, that's true. So what we're going to do is after you finish coloring in your butterflies, we're going to bury these alleluias for six weeks during Lent. And we won't, yeah, you know how in church we say alleluia when we welcome the gospel or in some of our hymns? For six weeks we won't say this word, alleluia, because, yep, we're going to bury it. And then we'll see what happens on Easter. If it grows and becomes something greater and bigger, what? Or doesn't. Yeah. Or we will, we will see if it's more special to say it on Easter. Do you remember what we say on Easter? We do say hallelujah. What, what do I say? He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And you say? Alleluia. That's right. So we'll see if the alleluias feel more special on Easter than they do right now. What do you think? Yeah? Okay. That was a little much. All right, can we pray? Will you pray with me? Dear God, Thank you for seasons and decorations for those seasons that make them special. Help us as we bury the Alleluia to find what is special about Lent and make our Alleluias to grow with great joy on Easter. Amen. Amen. All right. Isabella, child of God, you...